Happy New Year's Eve. How many of you guys uh, took some time off this week? That, okay, do that again. Okay, how many had to work all week? Oh, man, I'm so sorry. My guess is, though, those who didn't work are far more disoriented today than those who did. Can anybody relate to me? Like, what day is it again? I had the week off. We were like, yeah, what do we do? It's Sunday. Okay. Well, just embrace your disorientation. It's okay. Um, today we're going to talk of kind of a, a good New Year question as, as the, the calendar is turning over. Um, you know, some people, this is a big deal that there's a new year. Some people, it's just, if you're like me, I've always found it kind of annoying. It's just a calendar. What's the big deal? We're moving along with life. But there's, there is something important about reflecting what God's doing, has done, and what he's saying to us. And so the turn of a new year is a, is a good time to do it. It's as good time as any. You can do it any time. But it's a good time to do it. And so that's what we're going to do today. Um, and the way we're going to ask a kind of a big New Year's question is we're going to do it based on this passage, Ephesians 4, verses 17 through 24. And to give you really kind of the context of this verse, I'm going to give you the context of the verse. There you go. I'm still shaking off my vacation. And let's, I'm going to pray as we read the word of our Lord that our hearts would be open to the Holy Spirit speaking through these words that were penned 2,000 years ago. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we submit ourselves to you. Lord, we've been doing our best here this morning to turn the attention of our hearts, our inner attention, up to you. And you know where we're at, Lord. You know our strengths and our weaknesses. And we just say, we're here because we want you. But Lord, thank you that it's not all on us to, to get to you. We're not climbing a ladder to get to God. But that in Jesus, you've come to us. And you've done for us what we cannot do for ourselves. So we kind of cradle us right under the chin, Lord. Lift up our eyes to look Jesus in the face uh, right now by the Holy Spirit. We trust you're going to do it, Lord. Amen. So I'm going to, I'm going to, so the passage is Ephesians 4. So I'm going to look at the front end of Ephesians, what it's leading up to this passage. And it's some of the most, in my opinion, some of the most beautiful uh, scripture in the whole Bible where Paul is, is, basically laying out creation through the gospel to the Ephesians. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And what, what are these blessings? Well, he chose us, the Father chose us in Jesus before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us. He decided ahead of time for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he's freely given us in Jesus and the one he loves. 
so beautiful that God thought from the very beginning his intention for each one of us. He decided ahead of time that he wants to adopt us as sons and daughters, and he did it because he wanted to, to his pleasure and will, and the way he did it was through his son Jesus. Then Paul goes on to say, so here's the effects if you put your faith in Jesus. About Ephesians about 1, I think 10 or 14 around there, talks about putting our faith in Jesus, trusting what he's done for us. Paul says this is what happens to those who put their faith in Jesus. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world in the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who's now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. And like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, he made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We have that same level of authority and posture with the Father in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we're God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And then Paul talks, he unpacks this, how this works out in the community of faith, in the church. And he, he kind of pivots then at Ephesians 4.1. He says, in light of all that God has done, in light of the invitation that the Father's made to us in Jesus, this calling to us, he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you then to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Live a life in response that's worthy of the mercy you've been given. And there's where we land on today's passage where Paul's talking, what does it look like to actually live out a life that's worthy of the calling we've been given? And Paul says this, he says, I tell you this, insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they're full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God, 
in true righteousness and holiness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. So here's the New Year question I want to ask. That some of it, this just kind of stuff pops up for all of us at some level. Is this, what life do I want? I've talked about this a couple other New Year's times of saying, you know, if you're reflecting on how's it going, what life do I actually want to have? And I'm not asking you to answer right now, but it is something to reflect on. It's an important thing to reflect on. And, and what I want to notice is a few things that we can notice from, this, from the book of Ephesians and from this passage about this desire in us to have a life we want. I guess I'd say it this way. Here's the thing. God's designed me to live the life I want. And here's what I mean by that. I'm talking about want. How many want to live the life you don't want? That make sense? How many of you noticed it's easier to do things I want to do than things I don't want to do? Am I alone in this? God has designed us in such a way that our wanting, our desiring, drives our behavior. It drives our life. We do what we want. You think, I don't do what I want. You kidding me? Starting Tuesday morning, I'm not going to do anything I want. Aha, but that's not true. The only reason we do things we don't want to do is because we have a want we want more than that. Right? Because you may think, I don't want to go to work on Tuesday, but even more, I want to eat. Right? Those wants drive us. We are designed as, as desiring beings. It just, it's just the way we are. And, and it's beautiful that God's made it this way. The, the scriptures say it this way. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Your heart. I think it's so cool that John was talking about our hearts. So we see in Scripture, the heart is kind of that, <clears throat> that gut place, that place where we have desire, the want to. And Proverbs is saying here, guard that because everything you do is going to flow from what you want. And it kind of makes sense, right? Like at 6 o'clock, one cookie seems like enough. About 8 o'clock, two's sensible. At about 10, four or five, I want. <laughs> I'm telling, this is autobiographical. My daughter made chocolate chip cookies. They're the best chocolate chip cookies on earth. And they just, there's so many of them. They're wonderful. I want, I want. Jesus says this very same thing about our hearts. He says, where your treasure is, where the stuff you want is, there will be your heart. Your heart will be bound up with. That central thing that we are is bound up with what we want. And so Jesus says the same thing as Proverbs. He says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up where? In his heart. It's even beyond knowledge. 
It's this visceral place of desire that we end up living a life. So in a way, we do live the life we want. But here's a big problem. According to these scriptures we read today, my wants are broken. There's something wrong with me. Paul said it this way in today's passage. He says that, he's talking about the Gentiles, that includes all of us. He said those, basically those who are outside of the faith, who have not put their faith in Jesus. Something has happened to our hearts. They've been hardened. There, there's, there, when, when you're hardened to things, there's things you don't notice. You don't pay it, you don't understand. You, you have a loss of perspective in our wanting. And, and here's what we end up doing on our own without Jesus. We lose sensitivity, give ourselves over to sensuality, indulge in every kind of impurity, full of greed. You know, that, that, that can sound like really extreme or sensuality is just doing things that make me feel good. Doesn't have to mean something wildly, you know, profligate, you know. It's just, I live to feel good. My my heart's hardened. But here's the problem with that, is it turns out to be futile. The end goal of our broken desires is futility of thinking and separation from the life of God. So if we just naturally do what we want to do, the normal outcome is futility and death. If I just do what I naturally want to do, you think about it, right? You can look at things. We just watched through the Lord of the Rings. All of it. It was just like, it just... And my precious, the ring, you know, is there's this futility. I've got to have it. And it's like, man, that ring's killing everybody. But such a brilliant picture of our sinful addictions, isn't it? That we just keep on doing it. But I think it's going to make me feel better this time. It's futile. It turns into death. And that's the best that we do on our own. This is the best that we do on our own, is futility and death. So, God's designed me to live the life I want. That's awesome, right? That I'm driven and and am enabled to take action on things that I desire. But the problem is, I can't actually live that life because my desires are broken. Unless I want to, if I want futility and death, I guess you're in, you're good. But I've yet to meet anybody that genuinely wants futility and death. We're not wired for those things. So, what's, what's the solution? This is what's so beautiful. This is not the life that we've been given through Jesus. Hopelessness, futility, and death is not the normal outcome of the Christian life. That in itself is extremely hopeful. That in itself says that, that despair is an unnecessary experience for those who know Jesus. It says that's not the way of life. Futility and death is not the way of life we learned when we heard about Christ. And we're taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. We have a solution. 
His name is Jesus. Here's what's so beautiful. How is Jesus the solution? The first thing is, Jesus designed me and knows what I'm for. What am I for? I, I'm not even talking about what I'm in favor of. He, if, if I'm a, a, a tool, he knows what to use me for. He knows how I work. He chose, he knows that the Father chose us in Jesus to be holy and blameless in his sight. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. Our, our, our normal state, the, the thing that we're for, what we're made for is to be securely seated in a father's love. And that's where we have identity and meaning. And even better, we're God's handiwork created in Christ to do good works, which God himself prepared in advance for us to do. He knows what we're for. He knows what we're for at our creation and even what we do with ourselves. And Jesus gratefully not only knows what we're for, but can actually remake my very desires. We see it again in this passage. In Jesus, we're made new in the attitude of our minds. Other translations say, in the spirit of our minds. Have you, have you noticed that post-knowing Jesus, some things that seem like a good idea turn out to be not such a great idea anymore? Have you noticed this? That there's something, there's a reframing in Christ about what we desire. And, and we have a new self created, past tense. We, it's something being done to us. We're created to be like a great politician. Created to be like a, a, a heroic athlete. You know, we're actually created to be like God. I mean, that's epic, right? That's unbelievable. In true righteousness and holiness, this Jesus character, we're created to be like Jesus. Jesus actually remakes my wants. So, so the simple argument goes this way. God's designed me to live the life I want. I'm driven by my desires. Big problem. I can't live the life I want that I actually really want, because none of us really wants futility and death. My desires are broken. The ones that live inside of me are going to drive me to my own demise. But Jesus, and only Jesus, can give me the life I want. Now, this, this, this seems super simple to you. This is actually really, really challenging and beautiful. Another way I was going to say is this. The only person who knows how to live my life is Jesus. It's not me. You guys follow me? The only person who knows how to live my life is Jesus. He knows what I'm for. He can fix my desires. He knows how I'm wired. So only Jesus can give me the life that I want, that's resonant, that works within the way I'm constructed to live by desire. Following? Okay. So how do we actually do this? That's the challenge. How do you put this into practice? Well, Paul tells us in our passage today. The first thing he says, 
You were taught with regard to your former way of life, before we knew Jesus, before he started to transform our desires, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by what? Deceitful desires. Our desires trick us. They tell us things that aren't true. Just like I thought five cookies is going to make me happy. I have a stomach ache this morning. I'm not joking. I said to my wife, can you send me some Tums and bring me some tea? My stomach hurts. These deceitful desires. The, the force of that phrase, put off, is like the idea of taking off a cloth, taking off a coat. Put off your old self. Now, I want to just sit here for just a second to realize, oh, that's easy. I'll just put off my old self and I'll be good, right? How many, how many of you guys have tried to put off your old self? <clears throat> Paul uses language that's so beautiful in other places of Scripture is that it's no longer I live with Christ, but I have been crucified with Christ. When we're talking about living the life I want, if we're going to just assume that I already know what I need and I want, that we're kind of in the deceitful desire place. And I actually have to put that off. What might that mean for some of us? What might putting off the life that I thought I wanted feel like? I thought I was going to be the world's greatest BMX racer. There's nothing wrong with that, right? I have since put that off. I thought at least I'll be a a rock star. And be, you know, humbly famous. Kindly famous. I thought I'd be maybe really powerful and overly respected. And I don't know what you have to put off, but putting off of things means you're dying to desires. They're actually having to die. And in, in, in sometimes, I, I, well, put it this way. If we're no longer thinking the way a world thinks, right, that has its scorecard of what success and failure looks like, and you're dying to it, according to that scorecard, I'm failing. Has anyone had to put off an old desire and you feel like you're failing? You feel like something really bad's going? My life is not going the way I thought it would? This is, this is expensive to put off our old desires. But here's the fun part. We put them off, but then we get to be made new in the attitude of our minds. Remember, our old desires lead to futility and death. Futility. I have had, I have, I've, I've had things I thought I needed to become and needed to be. Why is this not happening for me? Why is this not happening? It feels futile. Why? It wasn't part of the good works that Jesus had created for me. It just wasn't, it just wasn't part. And it's okay. I can die to that. Why? Because I get to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. 
in true righteousness and holiness. What, think, what does that mean? Things are set right between God and other people. Holiness, that the beauty of God is what characterizes my life. It's not just about moral purity, that that's part of it. It's, 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 it's all the brilliance of what God is like becomes, begins to characterize the life I'm living. So, we put on a different life. This scripture, Psalm 37, 4, in fact, Zach Lindsay uh, taught this with the men, uh, one of our men's gatherings. It, it, it kind of says the same thing. It's this idea of taking delight in the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. It's, it's kind of like the closer you get to the sun, the more sun, uh, sunburn you get. <laughs> he changes our desires as we delight in Him. And we start to realize God will fulfill the desires He wants to fulfill. Why? Because they're ones that lead to life, not futility in death. Does that make sense? Sometimes I've felt like, God, you're opposing me. You're against me. I just want this. And why can't you be in it? And, and what I've had to realize at 52 years old is yesterday I had just a brilliant time. My, it was my youngest son's birthday yesterday. And we, we, all, we all went out to play basketball with him because at our house, you do whatever you want when it's on your birthday. So he drug us all out to the basketball court. But it was so fun as I watched all five of my family, which we're, we don't get together like that as much because they're adults and running around, playing a game of horse and looking at my life. This beautiful life. And I've realized God has dragged me kicking and screaming into the life I always wanted. He's dragged me kicking and screaming into a fruitful, flourishing life. Is it perfect? No. Tell my wife what I'm... Just ask her what it's like to live with me when I have too much free time. She's like, Gail, you love to climb hills, you love to solve problems, and when you don't have one, you create them. <laughs> and it's true. It's a true story. This poor woman has had to deal with me for a whole week. And she's like, please go back to work. I, I'm sick of me. I'm like, golly, this is annoying. As I'm learning to put off these old desires and put on the new. God is leading him into a life of flourishing. It's been painful and costly at many turns, but it's been beautiful. God's designed me to live the life I want. I can't live the life I want. Only Jesus can give me the life I want. How does that happen? It's to put off my old wants and put on my new wants. Those that are created to be like God in righteousness and truth. I wanted to, I was having a conversation last week, no, week before last with a friend of mine, and I wanted to give testimony. So Jesse, if you come, just grab that microphone. Uh, Jesse's been with believers for a couple years now, and he, he never had just a, really just a quick brotherhood of hanging out together. And I thought, Jesse's life story over the last about four years is perfect illustration of this. So guys, welcome Jesse Anderson. So Jesse, give give me a give us a little context that, of where you came into just in the last four years, what your life experience has been. Yeah, so I was on staff at Church on the Move and um, was there for on staff total for eleven years, 
but four years ago transitioned out of a chief of staff role. And that seemed like kind of initiated by me and something that was exciting. Transitioned to a part-time staff role and then was going to be part-time consulting with churches, helping them to get better. And um, that was kind of the path we were on. And then January 1 hit and have a practice of praying in the new year and asking God to give a trailer for what's to come for that year. And this was pre-COVID, like that wasn't on my radar. And January 1, he just said that the theme was trust me for 2020. And he, and he, yeah, yeah. Trust me. Yeah. He probably said it with a smirk. I didn't see the smirk, but I'm sure he did. Uh, and he mentioned a couple of specific things. And the last one that he mentioned was trust me with church home. And it freaked me out. Like church on the move has been the only church that summer's been in her whole life. And then for me being a part of the executive team, being on staff, it's been kind of a home church away from home since I was a teenager. It really freaked me out. And he didn't give much more clarity besides that. It was basically just like, Trust me, that was, that was kind of the context moving in. So my understanding then after that was <laughs> there was some unexpected putting off, unexpected shedding of desires yeah. that you thought was going a certain way. Yes. But then you found it's not what it, it's, this is not going where I thought it was. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, there was, there was this vision of going, okay, this was a good thing, was excited about it, and then literally within... I don't know what that would have been, a month and a half. It was just like a total like pivot. It was a pump fake of like, I thought this is where I was going. What the heck are you talking about? No other, no other clues, basically, just like we're headed in this direction. And obviously, we walked through 2020, and for so many of us, you know, life was upside down. But it became clear to Summer and I that our life was not going to come right side up. It was not going to come back to what it was. We sort of walked through a one-way door and God was leading us, but it was freaky because basically he was leading us with a direction, not a destination, which is a terrible place to be. <laughs> like everything we're talking about, sound, like surrender sounds noble, walking by, by faith sounds noble, uh, saying God gave me a direction sounds noble. It sucks, all of it. Like it's, it's terrible because it's very unsettling. Uh, you have all the sorts of things that you feel like, man, I've got confidence and I've got, I know where I want to go. And God says, walk with me this way. And you're just like, I guess that's what we're supposed to do. And it was really tough because all throughout that year, then by October, we stepped off staff and, and closed our chapter there. And that was a big deal. Uh, it was a big deal. And we didn't really know what was next. This was, uh, October of 2020. Uh, our third born was six weeks old, had no clue where income was coming from in 2021, had no clue where we were supposed to go and, to and church. And you didn't have to make this move. You, I mean, like, life no, was no. going yeah. well. Oh, yeah. You just heard the Lord saying, yeah. trust me. And you're like, sweet, I can trust could God. Have, could have totally pulled a Jonah and been like, not going to hear you. We're just going to keep going in this direction. No, but yeah, we could have, but we didn't. And so, yeah, basically nothing of it made sense on paper. And there was no real clarity. We had peace about it, and that was about it. And 99% uh, of our com community was dormant in that time. Like I said, vocational uncertainty. We weren't stepping into anything. We, all we were doing was putting off. Everything was stepping out. It was a total Genesis 12 move of God saying, I'm calling you out of familiar to a place I will show you. Take a hard left and just keep walking. That was it. 
There was there was nothing else. Yeah. So describe a little bit about that. Like it just so concretely some of the things you had to walk through, and just also what you're experiencing internally. Yeah. Well, I mean, so much of it was just trying to, especially like it's so hard to stand alone. Like having community makes it so much easier. But when and God doesn't always do this, but sometimes He calls you to stand alone. Um, and that's extra hard because then you don't have the support and you don't have any sort of validation of like people going, hey, this, this seems right. Basically, everything on paper seems like you're doing something really stupid. This is reckless. Um, I don't think that you're hearing right, all of that. Um, and so that was kind of the thing throughout 2021. We just trusted him. The funny thing, as I said, we had no idea where income was coming from in 2021 at the end of 2020. I made more money in 2021 than I ever have. Um, and at the beginning of the year, what God told me for, this, for that year was basically, I don't want you pushing on anything. I don't want you to sell yourself. I don't even want you to do anything. I want you to slow down and stay in rhythm, and I'll take care of the rest. So that's what he said January 1, 2021. And then we went through uh, that year. And it was just, I mean, it was just up and down. It, it's, a constant, it's a constant process of are we there yet? Is it now? Is it this? And all vocational stuff for... Uh, up until two months ago was short-term part-time contract work for like three years coming from a hefty stable paycheck to going we've got no idea is this going to be it is this going to be it so that was all the vocational stuff Um, and then community was very much dormant we were without a local church home for 18 months and our commitment to that had never changed and we were connected to to a church online um, but that was a big deal too. We just didn't have any of that. So that was 2021 and 2022 was just, that was the wilderness. It was hard. Everything sucked. I'd much rather repeat 2020 than I would 2022. Um, it was just a very hard year and none of this is like up and to the right along the way. I mean, the only markers you had were peace and occasionally hearing directly from God or indirectly through someone else through a prophetic word. But like, again, nothing really of this made sense. Um, but what we can see and what we did see is he was calling us out of familiar, but he wasn't really telling us for what. I mean, it was like long distance glimpses. It, was, it wasn't anything specific. Um, so it was very much a leave, leave where you're at. I like how in Hebrews 11, when it talks about Abraham, it says that they lived in tents. Even when they left familiar, they were still temporary. That's what this felt like to us. And so there was no real thing of like, wow, this is amazing. It seems like life has gotten better. It was not. And it was really hard. And you and I were talking about this. There was so little margin. Like I couldn't go like 48 hours without staying connected with God before I was just a mess. Um, Like there was so little margin because we had none of the typical stuff that you would lean on. None of the typical stability and markers and all that. It was just, it, it was all a crapshoot. <laughs> it was hard. Which is fascinating. So, you, so, so if you will, maybe some of the old wants were stability. Yes. Um, uh, something where you could measure that I'm succeeding. Yes. Yeah. You know, that yeah. was easy to say and explain to others that, look at me, I'm doing awesome. Yeah, I'm actually not crazy. We were supposed to do this. Yeah, there was none of that. Yeah, there, was, there just wasn't that certainty and stability and there wasn't, there wasn't even that sense as a family of going like, we're there and we know when we're going to get there and whatever. It was like, we're not supposed to leave the city, but we're supposed to leave everything else. And, um, and in the face of, again, like even just thinking about 
community and everything. All of our community is at Church on the Move. My entire family is still at Church on the Move. Summer's entire family is still at Church on the Move. So this was not, there was nothing easy about these decisions that we did. Um, but we know that that's where God had us, and we followed, uh, we followed peace. He said to jump out of the plane without a parachute and that he would catch us, and we just trusted him. And uh, luckily he did, <laughs> but it wasn't easy. Does everybody feel like his wife Summer should stand and take a bow right She probably now? should. Yeah, come on, Summer. There you go. Yeah. So what's, what's, what's been fascinating, Jesse, is to watch yeah. the transformative process that it's kind of like, you know, I was going to say it's like we planted seeds, but we're the seed, right? Yeah, Unless that's we right. died, nothing that's sprouts. Right. But we're yeah. starting to see some sprouts of some stuff finally maybe god is doing some things tell us about that yeah well finally i mean it definitely has been it has been a faith journey every step of the way that there has been seeds in the ground but just not knowing when it's going to hit what it looks like and yeah just recently it feels like in kind of 2023 in total has been that but it's it's just been the past couple of months of feeling like okay there's actually some stability we're actually seeing we feel like this season has come to a close of uncertainty and it's not the last or anything and not everything is figured out but we just don't feel like we're contending in faith like we were. But I told you this uh, at lunch. I was just saying the place where I'm at now, like just take, take vocationally, for instance, and income and all that. I feel like God has blessed us so far above and beyond that I don't even feel like we deserve what he gave us. Like if we just came out of it with how we were formed in our relationship with Jesus, that actually would have been enough. It has... I mean, that's hard to say because it's, it was so hard, but there's so much of when you have nothing to stand on, but Jesus, and some of you know this, and some of you will know this, but like you, you hear it and you kind of go, yeah, I know what it is to walk by faith until you've been like in the darkest of nights. And you're like, I have nothing. (laughs) I, I can't look somebody in the eye and say like, It's okay. We have a master plan. I'm like, I, I was telling people in these few years, I have nothing up my sleeve. I have, I have no strategic blueprint. I have nothing that we're following that I'm just like not sharing. What you see is what you get. And because of that, it, it, it's such a dependence on Jesus that it's like, there's no other way around it. Like you have to have new rhythms and new connection. And if it would have just been that, and we would have come out and been like, we're, we're in a decent place with stability, it would have been worth it. But then to see his goodness and his, his abundant generosity is insane. Just like, I wasn't asking for this. We didn't deserve this. You're just good through it all. And he never did leave us. But when you're used to seeing certain markers of we're doing the right thing when all those are taken away it's so freaky and that's like that is that is faith when you can't see it's the evidence of things unseen it's we talked a little bit about this so many of us have so many assumptions in our life robert Mulholland calls them trust structures which is things that i have to have to feel stable and secure and we don't realize how many of those assumptions we're living with on a regular basis And what we're saying when we do that is we're saying, Jesus, I need you, and I also need a paycheck, and I need certainty about this, 
I need health in my family, and I need you know good relations in, in, with my community, and all of these things I need. And I feel like all of that stuff was was shaved off of us. It was all put off over these few years. It was just like we hardly need anything. I feel like because we went through it, and it was it was at a place where where Jesus was enough because he had to be. All of that was taken away, and it was it was a it was a terrible gift. <laughs> it was like the gift you don't really want to receive. <laughs> But also when you come out on the other side, uh, it is hard. Life with Jesus is not up and to the right. Life with Jesus is not, uh, is not just sunshine and rainbows. It's not. Nothing in what he said in his life here led us to believe that. <laughs> but we have a lot of American theology that says this is how life should be. And, and when the American dream starts to butt up with Jesus' vision for our life, that's turbulent. And it's freaky. And it should mess with us. Those trust structures should be diminishing. Those assumptions should be, putting, should be going away. That's why I resonate so much with what you're talking about. There's so much more about putting off than putting on. Putting on is easy. Setting goals is easy. Try, try not setting a goal in 2023, but just ask the Spirit what He wants you to do less of or to put off this year. That's a hard conversation. And have fun with that, because it's not going to be the things that you're like, oh, that's easy. <laughs> he doesn't work that way. He's not super soft and gentle if we're willing to be open. But if we say, God, what do you want me to put off in, did I say 2023? No. Yeah. In 2024, what do you want me to put off? What do you want me to do less of? There's so much life in that, even if it doesn't feel like it. And it very much is the long game. So. This good stuff? This helpful? Yeah, one of the things um, I appreciate, uh, Jesse, and some of you guys are noticing he's, he's mentioning another church, Church on the Move. We've got good relationship with Church on the Move. You do. Uh, there, there's just times where God pulls you out of something that's so surprising. Funny enough, God often, we're such a healing place. I, when I see a leader coming from somewhere else, I'm like, oh, he's in it. I don't know what it is. If I know the Lord's smoking him, and, and sure enough. <laughs> Here, here it was. We just know. But then also we know we're also going to be sending people out as yeah, well. So, yeah. so just so you know, that's the, that's the heart we have. That God's been doing this for us for years, bringing in leaders, you know, letting them, you know, flail a while. Yeah. <laughs> and we just say, you're going to be okay. Yeah. You just yeah. got to die. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> and once you're good and dead, we'll send you out. Yeah. You know? He's not kidding either. And, and, it is, and it's been a real gift, the companionship, because you not trying to figure anything out in my life, but just going like, I'm just here with you, following the leading of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know why you're here. I don't know why we're connected, but I'm here with you. And that means so much. And it makes lunches like week before last special where you're like, I've been with you 18 months, and I went through half of the wilderness year with you. And I can tell the difference. And so I can celebrate with you because we didn't know when this was going to break and where yeah. it was going to go. Yeah, Je- Jesse is one of the most talented humans I've met. And, and that was one of the things. Yeah, I mean, seriously, I'm not trying to flatter you. Like, this guy's a freak show. And, and, but just to watch you just be- become so tender yeah. and okay with not knowing. Yeah. And then the Lord is just... We, we were able to rejoice yeah. this last week of like, wait, you're getting a regular paycheck? Yeah. That's, really, that's pretty cool, man. That's, yeah. 
that's yeah. awesome. Like he's like, yeah, I am. And instead of your hair's on fire, I'm yeah. not getting a rake. But yeah. you know, it's yeah. it's just beautiful. Yeah. Well, Jesse, thank you for being willing to share your story because yeah. I know we're all resonating. Can you guys agree you're resonating with this? Yeah. Thank you, Thanks. Jesse. Appreciate it. Oh, this was a quote that Jesse wanted. I'll, I'll read this. This is from Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, talking about Aslan, who's, the, you know, this picture of God. And so, ooh, said Susan, I thought Aslan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dearie, and no mistake, said Mrs. Beaver. If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or else just silly. Then he isn't safe. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't, don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Who are we following? It's the living God. Who's the living God? He's not safe, but he's good. So, what life do I want? It's a powerful question. And here's the deal. You're designed to live from what you desire. God's made us that way. That's not an accident. But our desires cannot be trusted. They're a mess. And, and, and Paul says to those who put their faith in Jesus, he's still saying you still have to put off old desires. This is a lifelong process. Jesse, how old are you again? 37? I'm 52. I, I, I've hit the wall more than once. And, and the issue isn't anymore, oh my gosh, I never want to hit the wall. It's like, oh, when am I going to hit it? And Jesus, will you help me to fo- follow you while I do? Why? Because he loves me so much. He knows what I need when I need it. He knows when I need particular help putting off things that will actually lead to futility and death. But I just wanted a job. How's that leading to futility and death? Jesse's doing stuff he didn't know he'd do. He's doing working for multiple churches now, not just one, and happens to be making more money than he's ever made in his life. He said to me the other day, he said, I wouldn't have even thought to ask Jesus for this. Can we believe that Jesus actually has something better for us? Whether we even measure it that well. Some of us are like, well, I haven't gotten that paycheck yet. God knows what we need. He knows what we need. Money is just a thing. It could fund stupidity as much as good stuff. More bad ideas have been funded by plenty of money than probably good ideas with too little. Only Jesus can give me the life I want. Now, the way to say it is the only person who really knows how to live my life is Jesus. So how do we do it? We let him help us put off these old wants and put on new wants. So I'm going to quickly show you a little tool. Let's hand out this. uh, There's a handout we can give to everybody. If we send that around, it's a little half sheet that is, is a tool that I... I've used for a couple of years. I didn't make it up. A guy named Pete Scazzaro wrote it. He, if you did Emotionally Healthy Relationships, Pete Scazzaro is the guy who wrote that, uh, created that tool. And so this tool looks like this. 
it's pretty self-explanatory. And what it is, is it's just basically just a little tool to check in with the Lord as the year begins. Now, you don't have to wait for the year begin. You can do this every three months if you wanted to. Has everybody got one? Just wanted to give you a practical tool. Worked on this a couple days ago. It's not magic. All it, here's the point of it. The point is to sit in front of Jesus and help him show you what to put off and what to put on. That's really all it is. So if, if you want to hear, that, that we, we have links to this podcast where we're publishing the um, sermon. If you want to hear Pete, Pete unpack this a little bit more, it's a little about a 30-minute podcast. Uh, the whole idea here is you, you, don't, you, don't, you can take a whole day, take a half day, take a couple of days. The whole idea here is this. Now, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. What's most important is to be with Jesus. What's not most important is to get any instructions. I've found that sometimes Jesus just won't give me any, and that's what he wanted to do. He is the reward. He's re- I can't wait. I'm, I'm bursting for next Sunday's sermon because I'm going to go deeper in this desire thing. Jesus is, the, Jesus is himself the reward. Maybe he's like, I'm going to tell you day by day. Please don't do that to me, Jesus, because I need a little more foresight. He may not know, man, you're so uptight. You just need to trust me. He, he may do something for you loosey-goosey people, a lot of planning. I don't know. I don't know. But the idea is take, take at least, I would say, a half day and turn your phone off. The world doesn't need you as much as you think it does. It just, you know, right? The, the president's probably not going to call. Not even the mayor. Probably not. He's never called me. I'm shocked. So just listen in silence and solitude, relax and delight in God. You can, it's not going to be perfect. I heard my son listen to Seinfeld re- episodes in the room next to mine. You know, it's okay. It's cool. Just, just the intention to be with Jesus a little bit. He, he just, can you, could you imagine this? Jesus, who has everything, is looking forward to being with us. He's not running out of things to pay attention to that are fascinating. And yet his heart is moved when we want to spend any time with him. He's just delighted. So, the, uh, we, we, in science and solitude, think, what, what scripture has God had me reflecting on lately? What's he highlighting? I've just been noticing, for me, stuff about desire has been kind of showing up. It's been interesting. Huh, okay. If you do journals, look back to the last year of your journals. Just notice stuff that's, that's been happening. And notice, are there any themes that just bring your heart alive? Why? Because it's through our hearts that God does stuff. Do you know that Jesus is constructing us so that we can live from our hearts? That we don't have to keep track of that self and that the person I am with this guy. I'm professional guy with him, right? I'm competent guy. I'm funny guy over here. Right? Just be you. It takes a lot of work and a lot of putting off to actually live that way. Of God shedding us of these other props we have to, to being f- fearful of being found out as not as competent or whatever, where I'm at. 
of just being able to live from my heart, from who I, who I am, just no, no prep. Ugly me waking up in the morning. If you don't keep a journal, look back on a calendar. You'll notice some events on your calendar that will just spark some things in your mind of noticing some patterns of what's happened in the previous year. And then that's the first half of this. That might take a couple, three hours. I don't know. Um, If you think, man, when could I find this? Here's the thing. You got one life to live. We talk about wanting to live it skillfully, living it beautifully, that kind of thing. Most of us, if we were going to, I don't know, bake a cake, we'd look at least instructions. We'd take some hour, an hour to go to the grocery store to find the right direct, you know. You wouldn't just say, I'll just use whatever ingredients in the pantry. Olive oil is the same as sugar, pretty much. Right? But we're talking about living our lives. And so maybe I think we can really, if we want to, carve out some time to let Jesus talk to us and let him run the show. Here's the best part. What is God's invitation to me? If you really want to, if you want to do this, you realize the pressure of creating your own life is no longer on you. It is the American culture. You can be whatever you want. You just work hard enough. It's not true, guys. It's a lie. You can't be whatever you want if you just work hard enough. It is not true. That is a lie. We're not made for that. We're made to dock up into our Father and to walk out the good works He's prepared for us beforehand. That's what we're made for. I could feel that lie rattling when I said, it is a lie that you just decide what you want to do and get paid for it. That's a lie. The truth is we're made to be with our maker who knows what we're for and him to gently with us and creatively give us tasks and run forward with him and see life, life, and more life that looks like the life of Jesus that's also going to be giving itself away. That's what life is for. Put off and put on. What do I need to do? What do I need in order to become more like Jesus this coming year? That last year was, this was the first time I used that. That was the first time I asked this question. I thought, man, I should have asked this a long time ago. Lord, what do you want to do in me to make me more like you? And then here's the thing. Set priorities and put it on your calendar. I felt like the Lord was challenging me to spend an extended period of time with Him once a month. Spend a day in prayer with the Lord once a month. Put it on my calendar. And lo and behold, was able to do it last year. And it became something that I had to have. It wasn't even just like, oh, this is nice. I'm a good Christian. I was like, I'm not going to make this life if I don't have this with Jesus. But God may be saying something completely different to you. I don't know what. That's the fun of walking with Jesus. That's the fun of it. He tailors it to your life. Matthew 7, 24, Jesus says that the wise guy is the guy who puts stuff into action. 
if this just drops at a sermon, then this wasn't really helpful to any of us, including me. <laughs> but if we put this into action, fruit comes. Awesome. That tool you've got with you, if you want to look at uh, the podcast, we've got links to it. We're going to take communion now. So let's go ahead and stand together. And if you're new to Believer's Church, we've got those little porticup things down there. If you want to hand me that, please, Kelly. I'll read Paul's words that explain to us what this moment is, what this act is. He says, I received from the Lord what I passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, and the night he was betrayed. He took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, the new relationship with him, that new life created to be like God in him. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death, that Jesus has died... His blood has been shed to cleanse us of our old lives, to give us the ability to put them off, and then to look forward when he comes to raise us fully into the life that he wants, which is this new life created to be like God in righteousness and truth. When we take this, this, this bread and this cup, we're commemorating the very, and we're worshiping Jesus in the very way he instructed us to do the last night before he gave his life away on the cross. So, if you got that little wafer, let's hold that up. It'll say, Jesus, I'm saying Jesus, I said we, I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, Jesus, we trust you that you're right here with us and that this is your broken body. That, Lord, that there's not a broken piece in us. There's not a dark corner anywhere in our lives that your broken body cannot heal. In fact, you're looking forward to healing, right? So we take your bread right now for your healing. Let's go ahead and take that. Now let's take this cup and let's hold this up. Jesus. I can even still feel like that the the moment of you holding this cup in front of your disciples is still very alive to you. And you you realize at that moment that the, the, the entire purpose of your time on the earth was coming to a point. You were about to pass through death into life on our behalf. And that is your blood that would be the same blood that allows us to come into the inner courts of the presence of God, to be able to come near to God because of your cleansing blood. So we, we, we receive this new relationship with you through the blood that you spilled for us so that, Lord, would you make it so that right now that it would be strange for shame, strange for regret, strange for things that your blood covers to still remain on us now, Lord. We ask that now in Jesus' name. Let's take this cup.
So sit for just 30 seconds here. Receive whatever the Lord wants to give us. Thank you, Lord. So we're going to finish by sending, being sent out into the world. If you're new to Believer's Church, we would talk about an oikos map. It's your relationship and networks around your life. Guys, I've heard just recently, is even as recently as this morning, of people's lives changing over time because they're on someone's oikos map and they're consistently being prayed for. Even this morning. So let's bring to mind those who are far from God that are in your relational network. And let's pray this prayer together. Lord, I pray for the people in my life who are far from you. Deliver them from the evil one. Bring them into your family and help them to grow as your disciples. Amen. Hit the world, guys. Love you. Have a great week. Happy New Year.